Welcome to the Voices in Japan podcast with Ben and Burke. On this episode, we are joined by Mike, who is the manager of the Barefoot Bar in downtown Sapporo. With no inbound tourists from overseas, we get to hear a little bit about how the bar is reinventing itself and trying to cater to the Japanese domestic crowd like a lot of other businesses in the hospitality industry. And for a bar that's been kind of an international uh, business for a very long time, uh, that has been quite a challenge, but it's been pretty fun and interesting. We also get to hear about Mike's background as a chef in New Zealand and Australia and also at different resorts in different parts of Japan. And he's got a pretty、uh, funny take on what it is to be a chef, so it's really funny to hear him talk about that. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please remember to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. And if you have a little extra time, even a review. And now on to the show. Each, me, sang. Get into it, yeah, man. Yeah, all right.、Uh, thanks for coming on again, Mike. This is、uh, your third time now. Well, yes, third time, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Mike is、uh, the manager of Barefoot Bar, where we're recording right now. How long have you been managing at this place now, Mike? Not long.、Um, well, I guess when it first opened, which isn't that long as well. Yeah, well,、right? I mean, there's been like a thousand iteration, iterations of this bar, and we're <laughs> the latest. Iteration and this is the latest iteration. Yeah, yeah.、Um, started in June. So, what's it now?、Um, October. So, four months ago. Four months ago, yeah. June, man.、Yeah. Are you, are you、uh, living in Sapporo now? I am, yeah. Okay. So, is this actually your first official time living in Sapporo too?、Or? It is, yeah. yeah. So, when I saw you guys last time, I was living out at Ristu and we were just managing out there, the other, the other spot. But、um, the long and the short of it is that. Me and Tomoko got sort of stranded, and、uh, the guy who owns the building was like, Hey, do you want to look after this place? And we were like, Well, I've got nothing else to do, so. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how's it been going so far? Yeah, it's been、uh, interesting. I mean, so I guess a little bit of background.、Um, the place had another manager before in the last winter, so about a year ago. And then, for whatever reason, she stopped working here. And then that's when Gareth was like, Hey, do you want to come and look after the place?、Um, and so, when he said, Do you and Tomoko want to come in? He's like, Oh, look, you guys kind of do what you want to do. Like, I'll help with renovations. But in terms of the vision of the bar, you guys can do what you want to do. And so, we sort of said, it was before it was a sports bar.、Um, and we kind of saw it being a lot more interesting than that and kind of more, I don't know, a little bit sort of. Better、high、man. class, yeah, but not,、mm. I mean, not high class, high class, but like higher class, higher class, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so、yeah. we were like, Oh, this place could be cool if we turn it into a craft beer bar, which is pretty fashionable, blah 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 blah.、Um, and we do like food was really big focus for us, so basically, from the beginning, and in, in, in terms of like the renovations and the, the feel and the tone of the place, um, Gareth kind of just said, Look, what do you guys want to do? And so we said, Look, but as I said, like, uh, craft beer bar that does. You know, nice food, relatively nice food,、um, has its own vibe about it. And so that's all sort of come through and, and it's all working really well. But it's been, it's been really quite interesting working here, I will say. 
Have you managed anywhere before, like back in New Zealand? Or, Bars? Yeah, or restaurants? Well, I used to be a chef, right? So I started cooking when I was 18. Um, I'd left high school and um, I had no employment prospects and I sort of bummed around for a while and my father's a chef and um, he's Japanese and he said, look, and he owned a restaurant. So he said, hey, what are you doing, you dirty bum? Get off your backside and you can come help. You can come work for me. And so I did. I worked for him um, for a few months, like learning sushi, like how to make sushi. And it was kind of like, like things like sushi, karage, tonkatsu, this sort of stuff. Um, so I went there and then I found out that I was reasonably not bad at it. So I was like, okay. My family said, do you want to go and study it? So I went and studied and I got my ticket, like my chef, chef qualifications or whatever. Um, this is all in New Zealand? This is in New Zealand, yeah, okay. my hometown. Right. So this is in Nelson. And then I left there, and the first place I got a job at was a really nice like resort in the middle of a national park. It's called Awaroa Lodge in Nelson. Um, and I was there for a little bit, and then I went to Wellington, lived, worked at a hotel, uh, a spot there. And then my girlfriend at the time and I, we moved to Australia, and we basically lived in Australia for five, five years. And we traveled. We'd do seasons at different resorts. And so, like, I was mostly, most of the time in Queensland... Um, so I was not running a kitchen, but I was like second chef, um, turning over lots of food, working at pretty nice places, some not so nice places, but mostly at hotels and resorts. And so I did that for several years and then I quit and became a filmmaker. And then I've just recently, since I arrived in Japan, picked up the, the knives, so to speak. And, um, and here we are. So were you, were you doing that in Rosetsu as well? You're doing a lot of cooking at the at the lodge no well there was a chef who was there um and when he wasn't working in the kitchen i would help out but it was his shit it was his his chef gig like it was his thing and he's japanese and a, bit, a little bit older um and but when i was there we were like running the lodge and there was also a restaurant there which is the one that the chef was at so we would like so Tomoko and I would work at the at the at the restaurant at the front. So we were dealing with the bar, we were dealing with the customers and all that sort of thing, which is pretty unusual for me because my whole sort of hospitality career was behind like back in the back in the kitchen. And then to come out the front was a little bit different. And so and then yeah, here is like somewhere in between. It's like a little bit of cooking, probably about forty percent cooking and the rest of it's sort of at the bar. So that's uh Your dad so your father's Japanese but he's in New Zealand? Yeah. So when, uh, how long ago did he go to New Zealand? Well, I mean, was he born in New Zealand or was he... No, no, he's, he, so he's he from Akaka. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's from... He's from so he, oh, like 30 years ago, so th- no, 35 years ago, something like that. And he's still cooking. He um he just got... So he, he just got laid off, actually, due to corona. Oh, really? Um, so he was, did really well in New Zealand with the coronavirus, right? Yeah, yeah. But, like, there's some restaurants that... So, the restaurant that he was working at was actually part of a big hotel there and it was like the first Japanese restaurant um, in the sort of top of the south which is where I'm from and but they were just getting by and then the COVID came along and obviously there's just no tourism so he got laid off but he he's like well I've got a few more years to retirement what am I going to do and so he's actually recently four days ago he set up another restaurant so, <laughs> so he's, he started four no wait three restaurants and he just I don't know he's, he's good at it so wow. he, he runs these restaurants. Does he still cook at them as well? Yeah, that's right. So him and my stepmother, who's also Japanese, they've they've done 
their restaurants. So they did one, which is a sushi place I worked at like when I was a teenager, and then he opened another one, sold that, and now he's opening a third one. And when they've just opened up, and so yeah, I mean it's interesting because like watching my father open these restaurants and my the rest of my family do a lot of hospitality work, and they've all owned their own businesses, like. Sort of drawing from that knowledge and then applying it here has been like really useful, and so it's been interesting. I actually called him the other day, and I said, "You know, how's the place going?" And he's like, "Oh, you know, good. It just takes time to set it up." And I was like, oh, "Boy, do I know!" Like, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, the, I mean, the menus changed here quite a bit, like from when you started. It was a lot bigger, yeah. And now you've kind of narrowed it down. Was that just because of um, I don't know Corona and there wasn't so many customers coming in? Or the food wasn't as popular, or something. Because I, I remember before the the food was, a, yeah, maybe a little bit higher market, and now it's kind of just focusing on mainly like burgers, burgers and stuff, yeah, and like I guess more kind of pubish, pubish style food. Totally, I think that's because what I really so my idea of what a pub or a bar, a craft beer bar, is about is I think quite different from what Japanese people see. And so when I was here, I was like, "Look, let's do some like quite nice tapas." Like we had venison on the menu. We had, I mean, we still got like pork ribs and stuff like that, but they're kind of like a bit nicer or whatever. But what we found was that people kind of like, oh man, I mean, how do you even go there? Like they, they, they Japanese customers' expectations of what they would go out to eat is a little bit different, and I think they were just like, "Oh, what's this food?" A little bit. Whereas if you walked into any sort of like gastro pub or pub in, in New Zealand like a reasonable a mid-tier one like you'd go in there would be things like um, you know pork ribs and uh, what else we got on the menu there uh, chicken ve- wings venison and, oh venison and this sort of the stuff. salmon right yeah. yeah like a smoked salmon salad and all this sort of stuff but like here we, what we found is that people were like oh it's a bit weird and I was talking to Mok about I was like what about burgers I don't like doing burgers but what I've what we found is that the expectation from the Japanese customer is like more focused towards that because they think Western bar, international bar, burgers. That's what they think. Mm. And so we've had to adjust the menu accordingly. And actually, like, we're actually working on developing the menu again this week and adding more things onto it because we're still finding our feet in terms of, like, meeting the Japanese customers' expectations. I wonder if also, too, like, Japanese customers, um, you know, for a bar, maybe especially, like, a, what they might consider, like, a foreign bar or something would be kind of the second stop on their night out instead of their first stop they might not even know that there would be like such a large menu option they wouldn't come for dinner necessarily you know so it might i don't know after a while of the word getting out that there is like a full menu and stuff but yeah. but it, you've already narrowed it down it's, i mean you do, there still is a lot of main dishes it looks like and stuff though right oh that's that's the old one there sorry oh is that the old one yeah, oh that's okay the old one. all right it's like yeah there's no more venison hot. on the menu anymore. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that killed me to take it yeah. off it but like, yeah, this wasn't well selling. it's also probably easier too i mean because when you guys first started like you were basically the only ones working here so whatever's on the menu was an option but now that you guys, I mean, you could tell you guys are getting way overworked, and now it sounds like the staff has grown a little bit. So yep. also to have other people cooking and stuff, you have to might probably make it a little more accommodating for other people to cook. Totally, and, and that's like a big thing here. Eh? So when, I mean, it's a balance, right, between doing things that I would like to do personally as a chef, doing things that staff, sorry, that customers want to eat, but then also doing things that non-chefs can cook when I'm not here and so on balance 
things like burgers and the way that I've set up the kitchen is is the most doable kind of thing. Um, and yeah, like when we were first here, it was just it was mental how many hours we were doing in a week, and it's just and now it's starting to settle down a little bit, and so we've got a little more time, can develop the menu, and you know the, this bar, the history behind this building is enormous, and I think anybody who's lived in Sapporo for a little while knows about it or has been here for the past like one like in the past five years or whatever, and trying to shift how. Japanese people see this place is one of our biggest hurdles. Let's say still see it as the former. Absolutely. Like yeah. I'll sit outside and I'll have a cigarette and I'll hear people walking past. Oh, that's the old TK6. Oh, that's the old TK6. And we don't want like that. Japanese people you talk yeah, about. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, yeah. But also foreigners as well. But we don't want that. Like we want something that is really like comfortable and warm and inviting for Japanese people because what I would hear well, sorry what I would hear is that oh you know I had to like have six drinks at the local at the like the bar next door where there's Japanese people and then I'd like get the courage to come into this bar you know and we want people to walk in off the bat and be like yeah come in it's fine it's an international bar but you guys you guys feel comfortable here and so it's just meeting all the expectations of the Japanese customer I think so that, so that actually hurts it a little bit, being look, viewed as an international bar, gaijin bar or something. Yes and no. Like, yeah. I would have thought, yes, but then we were doing some, like, marketing stuff. Uh, me and Tomoko and I said, like, all right, what are we doing in terms of how, how do we frame this bar? That's a big thing in marketing, right? Like, how do you – what's the sort of, like – the first sort of like look at a place or whatever and, and we were doing like Google AdWords and whatnot and we, I was writing the copy for it and I was like wait hang on a second this is all wrong it needs like our focus is we're going Japanese customer there are no foreign tourists here if there were it would be a different kind of thing but our focus is on Japanese customers and so as a result we kind of looked at it and we were like okay this is what we'll do and I said to Tomoko what is the most important thing that you want to the message that you want to get across to the customer and she's like it's an international bar and so on the Google AdWords, it says, the first thing says inter- uh, international bar. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I would have thought that would be kind of a turnoff. But she's like, no, people want to come here. And it's got its own thing. It's got its own vibe and its own flavor. So we're trying to work that into a positive rather than like a negative. Mm-hmm. So, well, What would you say your ratio is from Japanese people to foreigners that come to this place? 80-20. 80-20 Japanese. Japanese. Wow. Really? Yeah. That's, uh, is it, <clears throat> that must be, I mean, largely uh, a result of the coronavirus situation somewhat, I wonder. Yeah, no, hugely. <laughs> so we were like... Cause okay. we, I mean, I yeah, would, <laughs> there's, no, there's no international tourists. Right? Yeah, and all Basically. the other previous iterations, like, it would always probably be the opposite of yeah. that, I would think. Yeah, yeah. the yeah, ratio, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and we, we were, like, really strategic about that because we thought, well, there's no tourists here, right? But, so we focus towards Japanese customer and we work really, really hard in order to bring those guys in and spend time and talk to them and make them feel really comfortable. Like, how we have approached it is, like, we almost don't care about foreign customers in a sense that they'll kind of keep coming back because it's a foreign place where a lot of their friends come and rah, 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 rah. But if we try to get Japanese customers, then it's a solid base for us to work from. And when... COVID comes back eventually. Oh, sorry, goes away eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, the foreigners will come. 
They'll yeah. come. Yeah, yeah. they're but always going to come. Yeah. But we need like a base of Japanese people because there's just not enough foreign customers for this bar to like look after itself. And so, are you yeah. seeing repeat uh, Japanese customers now? Yeah, yeah. heaps. So like older, a, younger. Like, what's that? Sorry, what's the uh, age range usually across the board? It kind of depends, eh? Like, yeah. so a Saturday night's a really good, interesting, funny example. Like Friday or Saturday night is a really interesting example of that. Normally. Like I, like, I don't know, back home in New Zealand or whatever, like, there'd be a bunch of new customers coming in on a Friday, Saturday night. Like, that's when you might go out or whatever, and, and your weekdays might be where you see a lot of your foreign customers, uh, so your regular customers. But here, it'll be, like, on a Friday night or a Saturday night, and it, the place is, like, full, and I will recognize, like, 90% of the people here. So, and they're all be Japanese people. So it's really about regular, repeat Japanese customers, and that's what we really look, we try to look after them as much as we possibly can. Because they come back, and... They enjoy it here, I, I think. Do you, do, you, <laughs> do you hear? Well, it's because there's not that many foreign people here yet. Yeah, true. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you hear like how they learned about the bar? Is it just by walking by? Or is it the marketing work that you guys are doing and stuff? Or you, you don't really know? How it's, a, it's a bit of everything, really. Yeah. Word of mouth and stuff. Yeah, word of mouth. Word of mouth. Uh, some of the marketing stuff we've done. Um, just walking past. Like, it's been really interesting trying to grab those customers, like, do you, do you do any of that? Because I know, like now, um, I I only work on Tuesday nights. Mm. But like, you guys started doing this uh, free coupon. Well, not a free coupon, but giving out coupons Cheap for coupons, yeah. cheaper drinks. Yeah. So we can like go out into Tanuki Koji and just yeah. approach people, which me and Cal love doing. Like on a Tuesday, like if it's quiet, which Tuesdays normally are. So then we spend maybe like twenty minutes out front just giving out coupons to people, and obviously we're a little bit selective of who we approach <laughs> but but that's that helps because a couple of nights I've worked and I'll just end up bringing some girls in um, yeah, yeah, yeah. there was one time not not too long a couple of weeks ago there was this pretty hot girl but she was absolutely trash she was completely wasted this was yeah. like 10 o'clock at night and I went up to her and I said oh you know here's a coupon do you want to do you want to come in for a drink and she just looked at me and as soon as she looked at me, I knew she was wasted because she stared at me for about five seconds yeah. before saying anything. And I was like, you don't have to come in now. You know, you can come in, bring your friends later. Gave her like three coupons. And she's like, nope, I'm coming in now. And then she followed me in and then straight away she falls like flat on her face as soon as she walks <laughs> in the door. Damn. Yeah, but then and I help her up and she comes in and there's like me, the bar staff and maybe like another two customers at the counter. And they were Japanese, which was nice. So they started talking to her. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, one of the customers, he kind of, he's like really friendly. So he ended up buying like a round of shots and she was already trashed. She did the shot anyway, bought a beer, had like two sips. And then she was like, I have to go. And then she just <laughs> left. <laughs> but she paid for a drink. That's a trooper, That's man. She's going to buy yeah. drinks even after she fell flat on her face. <laughs> and there's loads of those people, eh? Like, just... I mean, there was actually a guy today. He came in and he's sober as, you know, whatever. And he came ja- in. Japanese guy? Japanese guy. He's maybe 45. He comes in and he's, you know, he's like, all right, drink time. And he's like ordering this thing. And then he just starts drinking shots. And I'm like, it's like three in the afternoon. And I'm like, oh, okay. You, you seem pretty good. I mean, he drank like four beers and about five shots. And the most amazing thing happened, and this is like a really common occurrence in Japan, you guys would have seen it, where like, weird Japanese would just get so drunk. 
they just fall asleep on the counter. They just fall, <laughs> and they just like they just kind of like hang their head a little bit low like this, and they just kind of look and they just like they're there and they do that for like twenty minutes and they're just out. And then I was just like, wake up suddenly, and they're like, okay, what's what's that? And I'm like, okay. And then they'll have like, and I'm like, oh, wait a little bit, like. Mm. Well, this is the middle of the day too, right? <laughs> and but you see that in social situations too. Like if there's a group of Japanese people drinking, yeah. at least one of them will be passed out. Yeah. But like, like you said, with their head just you know drooping. <laughs> Don't know if they're like resting because if they're passed out, they should be. You know, they wouldn't be able to stay sitting up. Yeah. So I don't know if it's like a tactic or something to to get a rest, but you always see people like that in J- in Japan. Yeah, everywhere happens all the time at a bar. Yeah, and yeah. it's like really different from back home because if that happens, you see, like like all right, dude, you're in the taxi. Whereas here, it's kind of more, I just have it like, acceptable. Yeah, and, like you, you, if yeah. you, if I told someone, I was like, hey, look, um, buddy, you need to go home. You yeah. you know. It's, Passive, not passing out but like resting yeah. they'd be like no I'm fine I'm fine it's all good but like not not aggressive or anything like that just like it's a different kind of drinking culture here eh mm. Mm. do the uh, like back in the day of this place like a lot of the Japanese people who would come in were seeking that kind of foreign experience so they want to like talk English and stuff is that still the type of customers that are coming in now or you would say they're pretty just regular Japanese people I mean, they're not necessarily coming here to speak English with the bartender or whatever. Or? It's kind of a mix, really. I'd say probably most people are not interested in speaking English. Yeah. Some are, maybe a few. Some can speak a little bit, but mostly not. Mm. Mostly they just want to come. It's a different vibe here from like from other bars around, especially the Japanese bars. But I this mean, one's pretty much the only international bar in Sapporo. Oh, there's a few. There's a few other ones. It's like. Well, it depends on what you would. Well, I mean, well, I, I mean, guess. they have they have like the fake Irish bars. I mean, yeah. do those count as international bars? I don't really think they do. The one down on the would you consider the one on the corner below McDonald's to be an international bar? No, no, only because like none of the staff are foreign. It's all Japanese people. Ah. They have the same kind of. Um, you know the feel of like a Japanese bar where everyone has to sit down. There's no yep. standing around. Yeah, you know, like every bar's kind of like that in Japan, right? Oh, you have yeah, to sit that's down. Right. You usually have to sit down and stuff. Yeah. Well, to be fair, like I haven't even done my my research on that. Eh? Like I didn't even go to check out the other bars. I should have done that. I don't do that. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think it's good to keep be a this spy. The way it is, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, we. I mean, what it seems to be working, like we. You know, is that like our strategy is like pretty specific and pretty targeted to what we want to achieve and like what we want customers to get out of this place, and it seems to be working. Like they'll 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 come back in. The hardest thing for us is getting people in the door. Once they come in the door, they'll stick around, and most likely they'll come back. Well, there's that one old guy, right? I I think Tomoko told me about him. He always walks past, looks at the menu. And then walks away. Oh, there's then, so many of those people. But then away. he'll come back like 15 minutes later, do the same thing. Yeah. And I think he's just trying to build up the courage to come in. Totally. Because I've seen him a yeah. couple of times as well. And, and yeah. I keep and every time I go towards him to try and get him to come in, yeah. he'll just walk away. So I don't know what what to do about people like that. I think there's nothing you can do really. Like yeah. honestly, because we we I sit all the time. I was like, you know, I come inside, you know, whatever, and and they're just kind of like, ah. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think they're used to it. I mean, like most, just like you're saying, restaurants or bars in Japan, like there's a clear entranceway. When you get to the entranceway, there's somebody there that's going to sit you yep. in your seat and stuff. Whereas down here, it's just open, welcome to come in, welcome to leave. And they're probably like, they might not know what to do. Yeah. And they're just confused by the situation. Perhaps, like, I mean, right? that's the thing. I don't know for like people who 
don't know about it but like when you go into a lot of bars they'll, they'll like sit you they'll find they'll be like you know this is where you're gonna sit whereas here we're just like yeah wherever's fine mm. yeah, and yeah. they and they kind of like it's amazing they'll just come in and they'll kind of look around like Ben's nodding like I've seen this before so many yeah. times yeah. but they're just like oh what? and they're like what do I do like what uh, and I'm like no yeah me. Like, it's, it's fine anywhere's fine you know and they'll just kind of and then I just like okay sit at the counter like I just like, gotta tell them this is too much freedom I need somebody to tell, tell me, me what, to, what do. to do yeah. I mean that's what they do at the restaurant right they yeah. sit you down and somebody comes and takes your order and yeah. they're probably just so used to it. I mean part of it's cultural too you know I was getting told like this is what happens next this is what happens next totally so, yeah, so I guess for them it's a good kind of cultural experience to go to an international bar because yeah. it's like how it is back in our home countries. Well, it is. I mean, I would say that there's some pretty key differences, um, but like, and that's one of the really strange things about running this place is that you are you're constantly sort of a little bit of the friction is where my ex- my my experience and my you know knowledge about bars and whatnot in the west is x um japanese customers ideas of what western bars are is y and we have to be like Z somewhere in between or something else do you know mm-hmm. what i mean so we're like i, I want to do my like a bar in the way that i see it in terms of a, a, a foreign bar or like a, a western bar but they have an expectation about what that is and it's different from what I think it is. And so you are, like I said, like constantly trying to just like needle that like fine thread about like what they want and their expectations and, and versus like what, how I would do things if it was like... What, what do you think they want? If you could pinpoint some, some specifics. You know, there's a really weird need. thing. I mean, you guys know about like when you go to bars and stuff in Japan, a lot of people will go by themselves. I was actually speaking with a customer downstairs. Um, about this and like back home I wouldn't go to a bar by myself very often if at all unless you had a problem (laughs) is that a problem (laughs) (laughs) so true no you know what I'd do I'd just like I'd go to the supermarket and I'd sit in my backyard and just sink sink beers or something but like here they'll do it a lot by themselves like if you walk home, there's like neighborhood izakaya or something, and there's just like you know people walking home or whatever from work, and they'll go into a bar by themselves and they'll just do that thing, and they kind of want to talk to people and stuff. Like that's not something that we do necessarily a lot. I don't know what it's like in America and the UK, but like we don't, we wouldn't really go into the bar and talk to the bartender for any length of time. It's like you go in there with your mates and you get drunk and that's about it. Mm. Whereas a lot of the customers here, they'll come in and they. Not they want, like, not that they expect, but they they'd like to chat to somebody, and so that's half of it, eh? Like, that's a really big thing. Like, you're, I keep saying to you, Ben, about like ages ago, and I said the other staff is like, you know, forty percent of your job is chatting to customers, mm. and that's how you make a good like customer experience. It's not about like how fast you can pour a beer or, you know, this sort of stuff. It's actually just sitting down and like, seeing them like eye to eye. I guess in a lot of ways. Well, the more welcome they feel, probably the more inclined they'll be to come back and yeah. stuff. But uh, the other thing, um, yeah, the thing you're talking about, like going to bars by themselves, I was working on a TV program recently, and it was just about this like young woman in her like mid-20s, and her whole thing was to go to different izakayas and try out whatever um, sake they had there, and then order like the, the food that... Bent, went best with that sake. Mm. I mean, it was a, it was like a drama 
It was like just short, like 25-minute drama or something. But it was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know if you would necessarily see that. I mean, and that was like her hobby, and it was the basis for the show and everything. But I don't know if you'd really see that type. I was even thinking about that when I was working. I was like, I don't know if there'd really be a show about a girl in the U.S. like going to different bars to try the specific alcohol and the food that goes best with it. And it was like this, you know, young, cute Japanese girl and stuff. So it was kind of playing off that common theme in Japan and these young girls. like. And a lot of people, what they do is they like pick a hobby or something to entertain themselves with. And then they do that like at least once a week or so many times a week and stuff. And, and that was their thing. So, yeah, just like you were describing, like that is kind of a cultural thing here for people to go out and do that. But yeah. that wasn't a documentary. That was like a, a drama, right? Yeah, a narrative like, drama. Yeah, narrative drama. Like a television show. Yeah, television exactly. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I mean, I wouldn't do that. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> and especially if I were a girl, I probably wouldn't be doing that. You know, going, trying drinking by myself. But I mean, part of the show is like she'd befriend like the uh, cook there, or the chef there, or the bartender or whatever. You know, and stuff. So it's pretty interesting and funny. And you learned a lot about sake along with each episode and stuff. So. Have you guys seen that that Netflix show, Midnight Diner? Yeah, 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 I've seen that show. Yeah. They've got a few seasons of that as yeah. well, right? Yeah. I mean, that's like quite a typical Izakaya-style thing. And, you know, like it's slice of life. These random customers will come in and, then you know, the, the guy behind the, the like, master or whatever, and, you know, he helps out with the problems or something like that. And they just talk about a little bit of everyone's life. And so like, that's often actually kind of in a sense what happens here as well, which is that just people come in and, sat and chat and all the rest of it. it's kind of you're closer to the bartender in a lot of ways whereas back home they're just somebody that pours you a beer you know mm. which is a bit different so. so you get to know the customers quite well especially the I guess the regulars yeah I mean they're, they're friends you know like yeah. I'd count them as friends for sure have you had anybody mention yet that they came in after hearing about it on the podcast because we actually had somebody email us there it was a while ago they were like looking for the for this bar for barefoot bar Oh, no way. And, uh, yeah, we shot him. And, and then they wrote back. I didn't see the message immediately. That person actually might be listening right now, but anyways. I didn't see the message immediately, and when I finally responded to him a few hours later, I told him where it was, and then he was like, oh, I think I'm here, actually. So, <laughs> so he was already, he had already found it, it sounds like, but, yeah. No, I haven't, I haven't heard of anybody doing that. Next time, I'll, I'll, what I'll do is I'll put a little <laughs> advertising, I'll put a poster up for you guys and be like... <laughs> Get a free drink if you, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we can work out something with the owner and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you ever get kind of, um, I don't know, strange customers coming in? Because I know a few years back when it when it was like a different kind of bar, like what we were talking about earlier, you used to get some really strange Japanese people coming in, especially ones that kind of wanted to focus on just like speaking English a lot of the time. So they would just like approach random foreign customers yeah. and just like trying to get like a free English lesson basically but then they would also speak to Japanese people in English as well which is really weird for the Japanese person receiving that because that happened to a couple of my friends and they're like well, you know what's up with this guy he's like he's Japanese <laughs> and he keeps speaking to me in English <laughs> so I'm just wondering if like if there's still kind of people like that yeah, coming into the place there's a few yeah I mean I always if they want to if they want to come in and speak English I'm, I'm more than happy to do it like I'm gonna do that like I mean it'd be super rotten of me like <laughs> like yeah you, I, I'm not gonna give you free English of course like and they do like there's lots of customers who come in and they just want to chat and that's yeah. all good but like there's a few customers who 
will come in and, you know, they kind of tentatively kind of poke their head around the corner and whatnot, and they'll come in, they'll just kind of, like, sit and, like, stare at the foreigners. <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, it's like, God damn it, it's kind of weird. <laughs> There's a guy who comes in quite a lot. He's a really nice guy, and he just, like just wants to talk and he'll talk about like the history of like japan and like the japanese like russian war of like 1905 and you know all this sort of stuff and i'm just like yeah i gotta do some work man like but he's like right but you know he's always like super thankful and he comes back i mean he's probably downstairs at the moment actually <laughs> <laughs> there's a few of those guys eh? like but they're all lovely and they're all harmless you yeah. know they're not yeah. And that's, an, that's another thing as well. Like, there's a big difference. Like, here we've been really fortunate. There's been no trouble at all. Like, no one's. There's been no fights. There's been no, you know, riffraff. But, like, everyone's super well behaved. And, like, it, I mean, that's really. It's really nice to, like, work in an environment like that because I thought, oh, maybe there'll be some some dick who's going to do some stupid stuff. Because he's still 80% Japanese. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Wait till the foreigner snowboard crowd comes back. So we'll come back, yeah. yeah. What, what yeah. would you do if there was like some kind of trouble around? Because there isn't, um, there's no security around and like no bars really have security in, yeah. in Japan. I don't know, maybe, maybe Tokyo they might, but yeah. not in Sapporo. Not in Sapporo, no. But I guess you don't really need it. No, I just, it's so safe. Right? I just call my buddies. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I guess like the the locals would probably. I don't help know you what out. happened. Like there was actually oh, what was this is a few weeks ago now. I, I can't remember exactly. I think I had a few drinks to drink that night, but um, it was like late on a Saturday night, and somebody mentioned some trouble that two people had gotten into. Nothing like a fight or anything, but there were a question came up like, "What would we do if there was a fight?" And they said, "Call the cops," and I was like, "Not." No, like it's the last thing I would do. I mean, you guys have probably got your own opinions on the police in Japan. Um, my opinion is, well, I won't get into that. And <laughs> Don't I'm, get involved. I, I, yeah, let's just not go there. But like, I would I just wouldn't go there. Like, I just try and resolve it like in house, so to speak. And you know, because the thing about it as well is, it's this place already has like a big kind of reputation that preceded it and all the rest of it. And so if there, if like six cops turned up. On a on on a Saturday night, like people remember that, and I was like anything but the cop. And there's actually a cop on like around the corner, so they're just around the corner. But I don't I don't want to do that. So I don't know. So you try to handle it yourself. Yeah, somehow. I just feel like, well, you know, hey guys, here's <laughs> Chill. a here's a here's a here's a Coca Cola. <laughs> you handle it like when we handle when my daughter goes crazy. We're like, hey, what's that on the TV? Yeah, what's that? What is that? What is that? Actually, baseball, baseball, yeah. Fires are winning. <laughs> I actually got into a small skirmish here many, many years ago. It was, uh, I think, I can't remember how many bars names ago it was, but uh, there was a guy going around. He was actually a foreign guy. I think I heard later he was Canadian. He was going around to, like, every table. It wasn't actually that crowded, um, but he was going around to every table just, like, saying something to purposefully, like, annoy people. And uh, when... Um, one of we was three of us there and one guy like went to the bathroom and that guy came over and he's like can i sit here and i was like no because i already saw that he was kind of being annoying to everybody and i was like no uh he went to the bathroom he's like i'm gonna sit down anyways i was like no you're not gonna sit down he was like oh, okay whatever whatever and then he like walked away to the back of the bar and then he was like but he kept like staring at me just like looking my way because i was facing that direction you know and uh, I wasn't saying anything, but I just, like, kept staring at him, too. And, like, 
and then he just like started walking i was like okay here we go <laughs> so i just like stood up and like got that huge adrenaline rush which is always very helpful and uh, as soon as he got up to me like it just you know kind of reached in his collar grabbed him and then got behind him and grabbed his uh belt buckle because we were inside and i didn't want to like you know run in tables and stuff so i actually pushed him outside and uh i got him outside and then i uh, tripped him and took him down got on his back got got around his neck and i was choking him but then i was was sitting there (laughs) choking him i was like this was actually before i started training jujitsu so it's just all like wrestling background stuff but as I was choking him, I was like, what am I going to do Like after he passes out? you know, <laughs> like, Just wake him back up. And uh, you know, I didn't know what was really what was going on. I was kind of tipsy myself, too. So I kind of basically came to my senses, and I got off of him. And then right at that moment, the person that was the cook at that time came outside, and uh, he just started yelling at that guy. He was like, see, somebody was going to do something, man. You're upsetting everybody. Yeah. And like he was kind of <laughs> turning back to me. The guy was, and he was like, why were you choking me, man? What's going on? Why are you choking me? I was like, man, I, but I didn't really maybe, know. Maybe he just wanted on. to say hello to you. <laughs> you can tell when somebody like wants to, you know, go at it and he's like walking back and stuff. So, but yeah, so there wasn't really any big punches thrown and stuff and nothing too bad happened. But you choked him. Yeah. Yeah, you got all yeah, this coming out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, just like I said, though, I mean, even the chef said like, you know, he was annoying everybody. He had it coming anyway. So yeah. yeah so like, have you had people like that? in the bar like yeah. annoying other customers oh yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Say, a, say stuff to them there's a guy who comes to the bar I'm not going to mention his name anybody who uh, lives in this city will know who he is I think we were talking about him on a recent episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> but he um, yeah he's come up a few times yeah how, how do you deal with people like that I learned how to deal with him so the first time he came he was very obnoxious and I said he, he was very, very rude. And I never, I haven't heard this in a long time. I was like, man, what's your problem? And I said to him, that's a, he's like, two beers. And then a series of expletives. To, so he was saying this to you. To me. He was kind of yelling it down the bar. And I said, I came up to him, I was like, that's a lovely way of ordering a beer, buddy. Like, <laughs> and then he got into a fight. He's like, I'm going to take you outside. And I was like, oh. I was like, look, just, just stop him. Anyway, he's come back like multiple times afterwards. And... How you do it was just like, look, just stop it. Just stop it. Stop it. And he did. He stopped it. And he's actually come back multiple times and he's been all good. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's just kind of having that sort of firmness about people. I mean, I don't, I don't have kids, but I imagine that like, there's going to be a time where that sort of strategy kind of works, right? Yeah. Like, just stop. <laughs> just stop. <laughs> well, we, we were kind of mentioned, well, talking about somebody like that. I'm assuming it's the same person, but like they, they don't really even they turn into like a different person when yeah. they've been drinking they yeah. don't even realize what they're saying and stuff and you see them when they're not drunk and they're like really stand up nice great guy and everything and so that's why it's even hard though in that situation to be firm with them because it might not even register with them like they're just in their yeah. Tourette's mode where they're just going off well that's I mean that's a really good thing about working here is that like you do know people's names and you do know who they are and they like the ability that for them to act like a dick is is just you know it's way more diminished because like they have there's a sense of like responsibility towards those people and also you know like talking about that guy that you choked <laughs> um <laughs> this place on a saturday and i just can't see that happening because there's a 80 percent of people here are japanese and they're chill like they're not gonna do that stuff they don't carry on that way and it's like imagine if there was like a, a random 
misbehaved drunk foreigner going into like a a, a bar full of Japanese, so they just they, they can't do anything about it. They can't they can't be there. Oh, they can, but it'll only ever get so far. And so if you like like the really good thing about this place is that like if there's trouble, it's really easy. You can just go like stop, and everybody else knows who this person is. And I said to like the other customers, like you, what what. I said, I said to, I said to my mum, I was like, they make people like that still. I thought that was like an old thing that you know, like, that, I don't know, whatever. And but like, if yeah, you you can't get away with it as much, um, and that's just by the nature of the bar, I think. Mm. Um, so, but do you think because it's like an international bar, some people think they can act a bit differently in here than in a say a Japanese bar? I would, I would, I would say to that. The tourists might feel that way, like, but the people who come here. So there are foreign tourists who come here, but they're all people who are stuck in Japan because of COVID. Mm. And so recently, like, we'll have a lot of customers coming from down south, and they go to campaign or whatever it is, and they'll be they'll fly up, have like cheap hotel or whatever, and they'll come in. But they've lived in Japan for five years. They've lived in Japan for two years, ten years. Twenty years. Everybody who comes here knows everybody. They've all lived here. Like everybody here is a resident, basically. Um, I think it will change perhaps when the the snowballers turn up. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think I think then it will change. But winter, the winter time. You think it's that's a good be couple of years away? Different. So, <laughs> yeah. hey man, snowboarders are wonderful people. I like to consider myself somewhat part of that group too. But yeah, I mean, they definitely have a very adventurous spirit that can go overboard, especially when. I'm drinking and stuff. I like so. the adventurous spirit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the the, ones, the ones that come down from like Mexico or something, right? Yeah. Rather than the ones that actually live in, uh, in Sapporo. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. tourists. Well, we used to have some of those at the lodge, but they were never any trouble as well. Like, I think it's just kind of like, they, people know what they can get away with to a point, eh? Like, if you're kind of firm with them and just say, look, don't be a, don't be a Charlie Brown, Mr., <laughs> you know, or whatever. And they just go, oh, okay. Like, yeah. yeah. Just be straight with them. Yeah, pretty yeah. much, eh? You've worked at um, other restaurants in Japan, right, Mike? Remember on the one episode you said you worked in a kitchen yeah. in, a, in a restaurant somewhere so down Shizuoka, south? Shizuoka, yeah. 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 Was, that, was that different than working in a kitchen like back in New Zealand? Hugely. That was crazy. So I, I worked in four kitchens. First one was in Yamagata at like a ski, pen, like a pension so just a small family-run place, like 10 rooms or whatever. Um, that was the first spot. And then Shizuoka, and then the place at the lodge, and then now this place. And the last two places have been sort of foreign-led, if that makes any sense. But the, the two places before that were Japanese-led, and they're really different experiences. They're really, really different. The place down south, was it was unreal. Like, I, I, I'm so glad I did it. Like, it was hard work, but it was crazy. Like what those guys get up to is is amazing so it was like a big it's like a it's kind of like a big rokan um and it was very traditional food i wasn't cooking um because i don't know how to do what they do because it's all very like washoku you know so i didn't know anything about that even coming from like learning from my father it was just, it's not like that it's like sashimi and chawan chawamushi and like really kind of japanese stuff um, but it was crazy, man. It was it was an amazing experience. I don't know what to say. Like it was just uh, the people there were lo- super lovely. They were all really like quite a bit older. But um, 
Was it fun? I mean... Because like working in kitchens back at home is kind of quite fun, right? A lot no, of it sucked. Talking. I hated it. <laughs> That's why I quit being a chef. <laughs> I hated it. I did, honestly, like, I, I honestly... Like, I, li- I like working in the kitchen here because I don't have, like, anybody writing me. I, even in, like, other places back in, in Australia... Because the bulk of my, like, cooking career was in Australia. Like, even with good people, it's just, like... It's just a miserable existence. But, like, here it's okay. But, like, that place... That place was fun for different reasons. I mean, we were—I'd we, start work at five in the morning, work until ten or eleven, and then come back at four and work until ten, and do this like day in, day out, day in, day out. It was that hard work? Um, but the whole system was completely different. What do you, what do you mean by people writing you? Are they like a, in a kitchen back home or back here? Yeah. I mean like like uh, writing you. Uh, to get the orders ready quicker or something or just yeah, about yeah, other yeah. stuff in general like or? insulting you and giving you shit all the time yeah you know like you're pe- lower right you're lower than well I mean I would people. be I, like I sort of sitting middle of the like obviously when I started off I was at the lowest rung but then but then as like obviously by the end of my career I was sort of hitting the middle and sort of upper middle or whatever sort of like on the ladder but it's it's just you know like those TV shows with like chefs and they've got egos and this like there is that that's actually like a sad stereotype but one that exists nonetheless and so I'm like you just have these decks I just like one of the things that like I, I always like try to you need to be really centered about stuff because if you don't like you end up being like these chefs have been working for 40 years 30 years 20 years whose whole life is looking down at a steel stainless steel table and they totally lose sight of what they're doing. It's like, I always think to myself, Mike, what you're doing at the end of the day is feeding people. What goes in this hole is going to go down the other hole the, the next day. <laughs> like, don't forget that. It's not some crazy, you know, saving the world from blah, blah, blah. It's like, you're feeding people. And there's like, it's become way more, like, um, glorified in the last few years, particularly. And I just like, yeah, man, it's just feeding people, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say that to any of those chefs. Yeah, did, of course you? I did. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, chef, especially. Yeah. It's like, dude, I don't really cooking, man. Like, I don't mean to like write on your life's work, but don't forget what you're up to. Like, well, it's funny because actually, like, I had big conversations. So when I was working with my father, he was honestly awful to work for. Like, I might sit on this podcast and listen to it. <laughs> but, but he was he was terrible. I mean, he worked at really high levels and he was hit da 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 all this sort of stuff. And I worked for him and he was just like small things wrong. Nah, wrong, 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 wrong. Da 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 and we had a really not a good relationship and that exacerbated things a thousand times. And in the past sort of five years, I had a big conversation one day and he's like, Yeah, look, I'm really sorry about how that whole thing went down, you know. Um what I realize is that like you know I shouldn't just be so focused on this I should like look at like the whole bigger picture and everything like that because when you're a chef like and you do 60 hours a week and it's all you do every day and you do you get lost in that stuff eh uh, it's really good to kind of be balanced I guess with that that thing it's a miserable place to work I'm telling you right now <laughs> so so the the Japanese restaurants that you worked at down in a uh, what was it? Shikoku. It was Shikoku. Yeah. So that wasn't like working in a kitchen back in Australia. It was. It was. So it was quite similar. It was. So there was like. So in Japan, when you order like 
Japanese style, like you get like a bunch of different stuff. I mean, I guess I'm talking to an audience who probably knows this already, but like you just get like a big tray of things. You get like little bits, and you choose your thing, and and they'll, they'll come out. You choose like a set, and so it would come out. And these chefs had it was amazing. Like there were three chefs, and or three or two chefs, depending on what's going on. And then there were about five of us who were working as like kitchen assistants. So there's one woman who's sole job was to deal with the rice and she was in the fire end of the kitchen she'd do her, her stuff but we were basically dealing with like plating things up and so like on a busy night there'd be 120 people coming in and they're all and like if one person was to get like a tray of food or like a, a set they'd probably have about 20 plates worth of stuff and so 20 times 100 is a mini 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 dishes yeah. and so part of that whole thing was like plating them all up and all that sort of stuff and it was like a big factory, essentially. Like a big factory where they were doing like really nice like Japanese-style food. And it was like... When I first walked in there, I was like, oh my God, this looks like a butchery or something. Like, <laughs> it, it didn't look like a kitchen from back home. It was really weird. Like concrete floors, which back home is really unusual. You wouldn't really do that. Um, it looked kind of messy. It looked a little bit run down. It looked like no one had really cared about it for about... 30 years which I know was actually the case but you know like you had that whole thing and it was just yeah and and they're all older people there as well and they knew what they were doing and they were so fast they just all of this stuff was like it's like a factory mm. it was amazing it was a really like it was a really unique experience did you ever like cock up or anything lots of times man <laughs> and, like, lots and, of times. and the chefs would like call it and like shout at you and no nah, they were really well because we worked they I was the first person ever to work at that Ryokan, that was a foreigner in the kitchen. And I was this huge novelty. My Japanese is not so good, but it's enough to get by. And they'd try and talk to me and stuff like that. But they were like, they just, I mean, I work hard, you know, and they knew that I was a chef. And so they were like all good about it. They were really cool. Like everybody there was really super lovely. Like they weren't like, so it was, I would, if there's anybody who's like, looking to come to Japan and work in a kitchen I'd, I'd thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it you'd learn so much it was like amazing okay that, one more thing for example was that like um, the seasonings or the stocks that Japanese people cooking uses is basically only three really or four and it was amazing they cook everything with these 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 few um, stocks or whatever seasonings and there's like so soy sauce mirin which is I mean, how do you describe mirin like fish stock isn't it is mm, it like that's dashi oh right yeah um mirin mirin it's yeah. like rice uh, vinegar rice wine sweet wine, rice yeah. wine yeah um and so dashi which is like fish stock and then like kombu kombu dashi whatever like there's only like four or five different things and sugar and msg <laughs> <laughs> but they cook everything with it and it was like they'd walk you know they'd come in and see these like big jars of like um big containers of like soy sauce or whatever and that make all this amazing food. It's just amazing. Yeah, I really like. If anyone's a, a chef, like a foodie, or whatever, wants to come to, I thoroughly recommend it. Mm. It's amazing what they do. Mm. And like that, we we used to live around like there was a fishing village around the corner, and they'd come in every day in the mornings, five o'clock in the morning, with these massive big fish, you know, like bonito, like really big ones. And the chef there, I used to watch him it was mesmerizing. He'd just carve up these fish, and that was sashimi for the day, right? And it was just. It's mind-blowing. Yeah, I've seen some of those uh, uh, when they cut up the fish, like on TV programs and stuff. That's pretty uh, pretty amazing to see. I mean, they do it with like a lot of skill and a different, like, big, long sword knife and everything. And mm. um, 
What about like down the road in the future, all, building up all this experience? Do you think maybe uh, like opening up your own place someday is something you're looking at? Or it sounds like sometimes when I talk to you, you have so many other big dreams and possibilities, like mm. in uh, production, film, and stuff as well, and everything. I mean, is this something like you consider like a main focus of your life, or is it just kind of something you're doing right now? Or it's for me, it's a means to an end. In the same way that it was when I was like 22, like I didn't want to cook, but <laughs> <laughs> but well, I mean, at the time it was great because I traveled and I did season to season to season, and it, it afforded me a really nice lifestyle, right? Um, and that was really I got what I got I got what I wanted out of it. Um, the same for right here as well. It's like it's it is a means to an end, but at the same time, I'm enjoying. I am learning a lot. Like it's really amazing um, talking to the Japanese customers. So that that side of things is really amazing. Um, but one of the things that Tomoko and I are thinking about is like when we eventually go back to New Zealand, it will happen one day. But she her experience comes from hospitality, and I. This is gonna sound a bit weird, but like my father worked in hospitality because he couldn't get any other job. Like his English was poor when he first arrived, and that was the first. Place. He worked in Japanese restaurants. My stepmother is the same. Like she worked like um, hospitality because it's hard for her to find another job. I I know how difficult it is to work in this industry, and the pay is not very good, and the hours are long, and da 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 da. And so I'm looking for like I'm gonna to move to back to film, ideally, but for Tomoko I'm kind of like wondering what her future is going to be like in New Zealand um, and whether or not that's in hospitality and I talked to her about it she's she's amazing at this job but from the experience that we've got from here her like she's great at doing it from the experience of back in New Zealand with my father and all the rest of it like it's probably it's probably on the cars that will open up a restaurant at some point mm-hmm. and we've thought about it as well like you could do we could do like a really cool Japanese style izakaya in New Zealand and it would be a right people would love it so that's, but you won't be cooking well, <laughs> you'll just manage it. I'll be down the road with my like 400 crew working on my like big hundred million dollar blockbuster film while she's like at, at the izakaya. Yeah, you'll be the silent partner. <laughs> yeah, the silent partner. I mean, like, I really I tell you what, I, I love what I found really enjoyable this job is like developing the menu and like working on a vibe and a tone and that whole thing. And I don't mind working here. I like enjoy working here. You know. But, like, I have other things that I want to do. But for her, it's like... And we talked about it. She's like, yeah, that'd be cool. So that's something maybe down the future. Also, the, that kind of lifestyle is quite tough to, to keep living for a long time. Like, when you're young, it's okay. You've yeah. got a lot of energy. But the late nights, the, the drinking after work, because pretty much in that industry, when you finish work is, like, when your kind of night begins in a way. And you drink with your co-workers. You meet up with other bar people, restaurant staff. Yeah. And then you start drinking till the early hours, you sleep during the day, wake up and you kind of repeat, rinse and repeat. Yeah. And that's a tough lifestyle to, to lead. You know, I know some Japanese people that have been doing that pretty much like half their lives. And, and most of them are alcoholics. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say like a lot of them are alcoholics. And that's a real, it's a real struggle eh? because I know a lot of people who work in this industry who have, who didn't get out while they were younger. And... Um, and they they managed to, they they stuck around because for whatever reason and a lot of them alcoholics so is a really big it's like a occupational risk yeah and it's like a serious risk like a lot of the customers that we get here a lot a few of them work at other bars around town and whatnot and they'll come here and they they'll come here every night and they'll drink like shots after shots while they're working or they come here after work and they'll be blind drunk and so it's, it's 
it's a hard job to do sustainably mm. in the long term. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we're coming up to that time. We covered a, covered a lot of interesting stuff. Um, thanks for coming on again, Mike. Uh, yeah, it was really interesting to hear about working in bars in Japan and how you're managing and you're coping with the, your new situation now. So, uh, yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah, the thing I'm going to take away from this is that uh, all you chefs who think very highly of yourself, just remember whatever you're working on is going to be in someone's toilet in about six hours. <laughs> yeah, so, it's only cooking. Stay, hum- <laughs> stay humble. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that like it's made a lot of enemies. All my old chef buddies are like, who is that guy? But I would say as well, like if anybody comes to the bar and they mention that they've heard this on the on the podcast, like come and hit me up for free drink, I'll give you one. Oh, there it is. There you go. Sweet. There it is. <laughs> Alright, thanks thanks for listening guys. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye bye.